It is a period of civil war. All of our hosts got pretty busy this week, so we're doing a bonus episode where Mel and I talk about the higher public. So welcome to that. Um, I'm Noah. My social medias are the Jewish Jedi pretty much everywhere, and my pronouns are he, him. Uh, and instead of doing a gender for this podcast or for this weird episode we're doing, um, Crime Lord Amadala on TikTok asked us, how would we perceive the force? Because something that's discussed in the higher public is that Avar sees the force as music, Bell perceives it as fire, and Elzar perceives it sort of as an ocean. Um, that's a really complicated question to open on. But I, I, if I had to like give a, a gut reaction, I really do like an ocean, but I don't know if it would be as chaotic as, um, as fucking Elzar perceives it. Because to me, the force is something that you could spend your whole life exploring or just learn how to do force push and have that like literally be it. So I, I like the idea of it being like this massive deep thing you can explore, but also it is dangerous the deeper you go. My answer to that. Damn, that was a really good answer. And here's the problem. Mine is not that good. So um, let me just say hi. <laughs> My name's Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me basically anywhere on social media at Melvin Culpa. Um, we are also calling, I think we're calling this Rogue Ones. <laughs> Rogue Ones, yeah, with a with a little apostrophe S at the end, yes. which I think is very, very powerful of us. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're going rogue to talk about the High Republic. Um, anyways, um, how I would perceive the Force, I think, I had jokingly said, oh, like a sandwich. Because um, I think that's just funny to be like, yeah, it's like, there are layers to it. Um, oh, I could go the Shrek route and say like an onion. Um, I'm so sorry. No, because I literally was about to be like, LOL, <laughs> it was like an onion. <laughs> um, I think... Yeah, I agree. I really do like the the water metaphor that Elzar uses, but he like really describes it like it's like some rough shit and it's like, okay. Um, I don't know necessarily that. I think I would then describe it. Um, I have a very specific image in my mind's eye and it is kind of like a swamp almost. Um, and not because once again, I am in my Shrek era, but simply because I think that it's, I, I just think I am not a huge body of water. I contain multitudes, but I am not an ocean. Um, and so that is the easiest way to describe it. I guess if I had to change mine slightly, I would say like a wheat field or some other liminal space in mm. the, in the end of the American Midwest. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that Bakersfield, California is the Midwest, but girl, it has the vibes. Like <laughs> I go out there and I'm like, wow, I could really die out here. Um, anyway. Yeah. We're going rogue to talk about the higher public. But when we say the higher public, we do mean Light of the Jedi because both of us have only actually read <laughs> the first book. Yeah, um, actually, of the that's higher a lie. Republic. I have read the first 30 pages of Into the Dark, so fuck you. Congrats. I have not picked it up. Uh, <laughs> I literally, like, between trying to actually read Thrawn books, I say as I have not read anything past Thrawn 2017 because I'm a fake fan. But yeah, so let's talk about this whole moment. I will admit, uh, this is actually the first Star Wars book that I ever picked up, oh. like before I'd read anything, because as a little backstory, uh, while I grew up on Star Wars, I did like phase out of it when I was entering adulthood and then quarantine hit and I was like, hmm, time to hyper fixate on something. And I got really back into Star Wars and part of that was with the Mandalorian and with mm -hmm. the announcement of the whole High Republic as like an era so I read this book and it was like, Star Wars can be literature. That's like, that was sort of insane to me. 
Um, I do kind of love everything about this book though. Like genuinely the world that sets up to me is so different than anything else we've gotten to see in Star Wars yet. And I kind of love it for that. Also, I am an Avar Chris fan through and through. Like she's life-changing. She's powerful. She's blonde. Uh, other notable qualities. Okay, to be fair, we don't have a lot of blonde women in Star Wars. Like more blonde <laughs> representation more in blonde. Star Wars. <laughs> we need more blonde white women in Star Wars. The um, true minority. <laughs> the true minority in Star Wars. They're all brunette women in Star Wars, as you, as we all know. Uh, no, I agree. This is definitely like the most literary. I feel like of the the Star Wars books I've read. Um, it is the most recent Star Wars book I've read. I literally finished it. I got home on like the twenty seventh. So the twenty seventh. Um, I was. I was on an airplane. Uh, I had a flight from Milwaukee to um, Houston and Houston to Denver. And that those two flights, I read like 200 pages of this book. I know I have a problem. Um, I did like a full deep dive. They, they were, they really were like, no, because if I'm going to read it, I'm going to read it, <laughs> which is honestly, that's how I was with Thrawn. I read the, almost the entire back half of that book on a road trip to LA. And then I was in my car and I was like, I am forever changed. But <laughs> I read Light of the Jedi over like part of my winter break of this last year, mm -hmm. I think is roughly when that happened. Or was it over? Yeah, probably yeah. around there. I don't remember, but I did read it. Um, one thing I honestly liked about it a lot that sort of threw me though, was like, I didn't realize how new good hyperspace tech was. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading this, I was like, y'all can't just leave. That's not possible for you. You can't just walk away. Like, I, which is what I like about it because, and the other thing that I like about it being set so far back is it may be the first Star Wars property where we are not focused on the fucking Skywalker family. Not that I have a problem with them. Mm -hmm. However, thank God. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, there's literally zero chance of us bumping into a Skywalker out here. I love that. Yeah. No, I completely agree. It was like, not, I'm not gonna say a relief because that sounds really asshole of me but I was like yeah like so much of Star Wars because it is like you know this the Skywalker saga um but it's it's like fun and exciting to be like actually we are going to focus on people not related to that bloodline at all um that we know of <laughs> plot twist Avar Chris is Shmi Skywalker's like grandmother um I know we're actually done here uh that's where the episode <laughs> fucking stops I'm podcast. um we just got rogue one I just single-handedly blew up scarif also followed by uh we did get a question um on instagram by uh, a user named annie.libs um she asked um like how like where do you start in the high republic because i know for me when i started it i was like this is the first book that came out so i am going to start there um and i i think all of wave one happens concurrently like i am once again i'm reading into the dark right now and that is happening the same during the like the hyperspace crisis um so like yeah i i think you can really hop into anything in wave one uh but i would recommend light of the jedi because i think it's i mean once again i'm biased because i've only read that it's pretty fucking good it's one of my favorite star wars books that i've read thus far and i've read almost 15 now <laughs> I, I do think that Light of Jedi is a good jumping off point also because it does a lot of extra legwork to orient you in this period of time and in this setting, 
which I really liked. One thing I like about the setting that they get that they give us is that it does feel very Star Warsy, but it feels really different from mm-hmm. any other era of Star Wars after this, which is both nice and a little concerning because I'm like, hey, what happened? Like between this period of like 300-ish years, something had to go pretty horribly wrong. Um, but yeah, I also haven't, I haven't really read the, the next higher Republican that I want to tackle is the comics. I just mm. genuinely have not figured out where or how to access them. I got, I, I got you. I got Cause you. yeah, that's what I want to jump into, but I do think light of the Jedi is a really good starting point. You get a lot of the, of the base characters that I think I'm, I'm pretty sure they're slated to appear in like a lot of these other stories that are coming out. And you also just get some like genuinely interesting and good world building that sets you up with how this era in Star Wars functions and how the Jedi in this era function, which I really appreciated. And also, it's just a good book. Like if it wasn't a Star Wars book, I still would have read it. I think mm-hmm. would be my like my my ranking for it yeah. overall. It definitely would have been like a good fantasy book. Like just like okay, like there's or a sci-fi fantasy, whatever you want to call it. Um, because it just like it gives you these like I'm trying to stay both in spoiler territory and not in spoiler territory, especially in the beginning half of this episode, um, because some of our other co-hosts are reading Light of the Jedi right now. They're, like, trying to catch up, I think. I think uh, 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 Jess is, like, almost halfway through, and Ollie's, like, a little bit behind them. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting because, like you said, it's, like, very accessible in terms of, like, just genre. And then also... Um, jumping into other like pieces of media because there are characters like Burry um, in this book who like are also in the children's books and like um, Wreath Silas's master you, we see her die in this book um, I forgot her name I'm so sorry hashtag fake fan moment um, I just remember that she's a Togruta um, there were so many goddamn characters in this book, <laughs> frankly I like like I was trying to read a list of them and I was like okay I'm I remember Belle. I remember Loden. Uh, like it cut out after that. Like my brain did not fuzz. I remembered Burry because he is everything to me. He's everything to me. He is my favorite yeah. Jedi of the era. I I just, one thing that I love, like one small detail about him that I do love is that he is, he's only speaks Shrewook. And the fact that his master learned how to speak it back to him. I'm like, you are iconic for this. Like he's just so... I feel like he deserves the world. These Jedi are just like so fucking good at their job. And it's it's weird because, you know, we've had the context of the Jedi that we have seen in, in all of the Star Wars movies to go from that and to being like, oh yeah, like Qui-Gon Jinn's like pretty rad to like, oh, what if Qui-Gon Jinn actually like, like um, communicated with his Padawan? Like, like here's the thing. Um, I am obsessed with Bell Zetafar and Loading Great Storm because they are... <laughs> they are what Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan want to be <laughs> like they are like they they have like similar struggles to those two um but are also like communicating about those feelings um in a way that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan just never really did and that is so good to me and like because they have they the parallels between them are like so insane like when Loden first of all <laughs> can I just talk about <laughs> When Loden Greystorm got his shit rocked and got kidnapped by the, the Nile um, or the Nihil, I I'm gonna fight. We're everyone. we're gonna have some some fucking <laughs> some words weird about ass. Just just I feel like we should have put this at the yeah. beginning of the episode. But disclaimer: neither of us know how to pronounce words. Yeah. So I literally had to write down fucking. I'm having to like read his name right now phonetically. 
Tian Ro's name in <laughs> phonetics in order to be able to pronounce it because I read it as Markion the first time that I read this book. And then when we were trying to pronounce it earlier, I literally was like Marahan, my, my friend Marahan, because I like, I read CHs horribly now. So just as a disclaimer, I cannot pronounce words, especially ones that are debatably pronounced. Something that's also that I really enjoyed about this book is that there is like a sense of like, these bitches could die at any time. Um, like they make you like uh, fucking Charles Schul, Schul, uh, the author of this book. Um, like he's like, okay, you're gonna care about these guys, and then I'm gonna fucking kill them. Um, and that is very powerful of of him. Um, but like, I I had gotten spoiled that Loden got like kidnapped to, in some regard. So I was like, okay, like he's going to survive this book. But then he like fucking broke his leg, and I was like, uh oh, uh oh, bestie, something bad's about to happen. Um, and then yeah, Martian was like, how about I kill someone with your lightsaber in front of you? And that was like, uh-oh. Also, Martian, like, he he, he went from zero to ten. He went from, the, like, passive gentleman to I am entering my Thrawn era. I This is all my evil plan this whole time. I, I will say, yeah, um, the fact that there's zero plot armor for a single character. That is a fucking lie. That's oh, wait. Fun. Yoda and then one Mr. Yarl Poof, but we will oh, get there. Okay. <laughs> No, because I, you know, I totally forgot that Yoda was even in this fucking book. Like, good, honestly, good riddance. I, <laughs> I fucking hate I, Yoda. Well, no, because I I remember like they I think they briefly does he even have lines in this so book? That's actually a fun thing that I found really interesting and I'd love to talk about is so there's this scene where all of the the council comes together to be like, okay, the ni- the Nihil, the Nihil, whatever the fuck you want to call it, um are kind of a threat in the outer rim are we going to do anything about it as the jedi and as the republic um and the jedi are like well you know we are not a military force so we are not we shouldn't do shit um and then yarl poof says the, the most fucking based line in the fucking book where he's like like peace without justice is a fucking false i think he calls it like a hollow peace and mm-hmm. i was like Bestie, are you pulling out my piece today's textbook right now? Because that's like <laughs> a direct fucking David Corwright quote. Like, leave me alone. Like, period. Also, the fact that it was Yarl fucking Poof that said that, I was like, seriously. First of all, shout out to Star Wars for having that thing where it's like, LOL, lightsaber story. And then there's a line out of nowhere that's like, peace without justice is hollow. And I was like, hey, that's kind of a lot for your long necked Jedi to start counting <laughs> off. Fucking like, Q tip looking motherfucker. Literally, I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I, I do respect that he said it. However, if it had come from Loden Greatstorm, I would have been like, wow, mm. so true, Bestie. Yeah, like, he would have been, become my fucking favorite character in the fucking Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I did forget Yoda was there, which, mm-hmm. you know, for the best. Oh. Um, but the good characters aren't a plot armor. <laughs> yeah, period. Um, no, Yoda is in that scene. Um, but it's interesting because he was like on the council, but he like is taking a sabbatical right now. Um, and so he has someone there speaking on his stead, and that's really was really interesting to me to be like, oh, if only if only Yarl Poof had survived the fucking the time between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, maybe the world would not be so deeply troubled by Skywalkers. Um, but yeah, Yarl Poof in in this book says yes, uh, but we are the guardians of two ideals, are we not? Sometimes, unfortunately, they come into conflict. We must always strive for peace, but also justice. Peace without justice is flawed, hollow at its core. It is peace provided by tyranny, and that is holy fucking shit. The That's fact a good that that- fucking line. 
also I'm like not not to not to not to get into like genocide and peace studies on Maine but like one of the biggest concepts in that field of study is the idea of positive and negative peace mm. um for our viewers at home positive <laughs> peace is when you're actively like doing things to build a more peaceful and actively working world and negative peace is just the, the absence of conflict and I do feel like philosophically the Jedi of the High Republic era are like like notably one thing that none of the Jedi in this in this book do are like the Nile or however the Nihil the Nihil are objectively evil and bad and terrible and we have to exterminate and kill them they're just like they want something that conflicts with the peace and safety of the majority of the galaxy so we have to analyze them as such and act accordingly nowhere in that structure is war is active violence against like they even caution they're like don't go blowing people up we don't know what they want yet that's mm -hmm. a problem like the Jedi of the Clone Wars era could literally never accomplish that <laughs> in a million years. And I think that's part of why I am so drawn to this era because the Jedi are fundamentally different. Like I wait, I don't remember which character you were recording just now that was like, um, it might've been Yoda's fucking emissary or whatever that was like, hey, so we're not like an army and we're, we're not gonna go fight a war. I'm like, wow, what a crazy concept that is huh, for the Jedi. Like, and their connection to the force seems significantly stronger. Like my favorite scene in this book and possibly honestly of all of Star Wars is basically during the, the initial parts of the hyperspace crisis, there's this canister of Tabana gas that is flying at a, at a sun in this in the Hetzel system. And they're like, hey, so if that hits that star, it's gonna explode and cause a lot of problems. And so basically all of the Jedi like unite behind Avar Chris through the force and they just keep repeating this sentence that goes something along the lines of like, there is a very large object moving very fast and very quick and we need to stop it. And literally that's all they keep doing as all of them in concert, like move this thing out of the way. Some of them fucking die in the process of this happening. Like, and I was like, so this, fully united peacekeeping force clearly exists and then by the time of the clone wars they're like war is a good option if you're a separatist yeah maybe like, we should yeah yeah fucking yoda girl meet me in the goddamn pit hang out with your fucking stupid ass kids and that is it um <laughs> uh yeah no that is another scene that is just like the the whole concept of the force is of course fascinating to me as a star wars fan um, but like this is, has given us the biggest like well of of um, understanding it, um, and I think that's really interesting to see like maybe the possible evolution of the force because this this force does not feel like a like a tool. It is just simply like a part of their world that like it's, it's saying it's like I don't even know how to describe it, but like it does not feel like they're like oh use the force like Luke to put pick up the fucking the the X wing. Um, when a lot of Star Wars does feel like that. Um, and of course, like when you use your critical eye, like that is not what it is in, in those um, parts of Star Wars, but to the casual viewer, it is. So for this to be so explicitly like, no, it is different, is really powerful. And like, just like the scene with um, with Belle, when he saves the little girl um, near the end of the book, I was like, goddamn, this, this is just fucking, magic and i i'm obsessed with this um and it's not a feeling i've had about like the force because i'll be honest the jedi are not the most interesting part of star wars to me um by a long 
run um because i'm a fucking chis ascendancy stan um <laughs> but um like specifically like this book has really recaptured my imagination and like been like hmm maybe the jedi are interesting to me that's definitely part of it because prior to reading this book i was like the jedi are cool i, I like robes i like lightsabers it's a good time but the way that they interact with the world in this book and like through the force is so is so much more interesting to me than how they and i'm not saying that because i'm like uh yeah actually the prequels and every other non-higher public series is bad because it didn't do this like no like we know in the clone wars era that the jedi's access to the force is clouded because war just does that like it makes the force harder to access but there's this philosophy that i see in this book where it's like the force is not a tool of the Jedi, but the Jedi are a tool of the force. Exactly. And I I love that mode of thinking because honestly, like whenever they do anything with it, I don't feel like they're like using telekinesis. They're literally changing the way that they interact with the world around them and with people and with objects and with space and with themselves. Although I will say, and I believe it's Elzar who is this character, I can't remember. Um but who fully like uses the force to like grab a coffee cup yeah or, it like, is Elzar. Like, He's just and shit. i'm like and nothing in star wars has been more related relatable to me than that like avar is like the force is something that moves through all of us and is everywhere and elzar is like damn there's a rock over there and just pulls it to him and i'm like listen <laughs> he's so valid for that like yeah. The way that he's like, I want to study the forest. However, I am also going to use it to like lift anything that I want to at any point in time because I can. And I'm like, yeah, I'd be the exact same way, like by far. But I think also if any like area of Star Wars will be able to flesh out the idea that like the Jedi and the Sith aren't fundamental moral systems. They're just different ways of interacting with the force. It's the High Republic era that will be able to do that. Absolutely. I do think that um, Into the Dark is going to be touching on that. I think. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think it's... I know... Because <laughs> I know Claudia Gray just happens to be epic. Um, and, and like, when I read Master and Apprentice... I don't know if you've read Master and Apprentice. There is a part where she is talking about, like, the... Being on the part of the light side of the... For like, being a Jedi is just turning back to the light side of the force over and over again yeah um, it's that quote i i do know that quote yeah. from qui-gon where he's like i turn to it because it is because it's the light like that i know yeah um and that is that's pretty epic and i'm very excited to see how wreath silas little little baby boy um <laughs> epic orphan i can't stop saying epic <laughs> epic orphan moment <laughs> epic orphan moment um and so is that you <laughs> the saint of our podcast today <laughs> Yeah, Jin Orso is actually our third, um, not our third, like our third yeah. host. <laughs> Speaking of thirds. Jin is um, here with us. <laughs> not using a fucking Ouija board to contact Jin Orso. Um, <laughs> no, um, I was going to quick touch upon, um, we of course did not get a whole lot of content about this, but there was a vibe kind of set um, about around a polycule. And you know that this podcast has been talking about polycules a lot. There is a vibe that Avar, Elzar, and Stellan have that is like, hmm. This is this is a vibe. It's a little bit. Mm, it it's it's a moment. Um, I do also like, however, that there was no point in this in this book where I was like, oh, cool, this is the romance I'm gonna have to remember is happening for the rest of the fucking story. Like, it's there, 
and I do like that but at no point am I like this is important that I have to remember what's going on about it which I just I liked because I feel like recently um a lot of Star Wars media surrounding the Jedi is always like it's about the forbidden love and higher public was like eh, it's there yeah, like like they were sh- forbidden like yeah. they're just hanging out yeah no I think that is very powerful with with specifically like Avar and Elzar is like their whole thing is like as teenagers as teenagers are want to do they were like you know horn dogs and like so something could have happened who is to say I think it is more explicitly talked about in later books um but we haven't gotten there um haha um but like they are much more chill about it. It does not feel like feel like the the <laughs> they're not being taught abstinence only education like like they are in the Clone Wars, you know, which is not true. But you know, the, I was making a little jokey joke. Um, <laughs> this doesn't feel like a lot of romance in Star Wars, um, especially like canon romance, um, feels very well. First of all, of course, obviously heterosexual but like glaringly heterosexual like uh like Kanan and Hera to me are probably the I don't want to say the most tolerable of the straight ships but it's like one where I'm like I will actively root for y'all um the rest y'all please seek help (laughs) you've got a lot going on I do think the reason that I I like Kanan and Hera so much in the in the realm of acceptable straight ships I I am gonna start policing straight people actually as my my goal for the rest of this year um, but I think the other thing is that I actually like them both enough as characters to be mm. like, cool, I like that you're happy. Whereas with some other notable heterosexuals in Star Wars, I'm like, wow, I don't like either of you enough to want this to work. Yeah. I do also feel like though Star Wars has a habit of being like, you have these two characters who could very easily be queer, but instead look at these two cardboard boxes we've had on the side that are both heterosexual and they're going to be yeah. a couple now. Um, and I, I don't feel like this book did that, which was nice. Um, although I was like to half of, of the, of the characters in this book, I was like, these people are very fuckable. And I think that's very powerful of them. <laughs> I wait, no, who's fuckable? What do you mean? I need to know who the fuck are you talking about? I think that Loden Greatstorm is kind of dilfy. I'm going to say it. Okay, um, actually, he's that's very, bad. he's very nice. He is uh, strong. And he's very thoughtful. I think that's very powerful of him. And I just feel like I could like hold a conversation with him and I would enjoy that. Um, That's that I do feel like we have to address the helmet wearing, eye owning elephant in the room, which is um, Marshawn Rowe, or how how do you say his name? Marshawn? Marshawn. Marshawn. Not Mark. Marshawn Rowe. Hot or not. I have complicated feelings about this. <laughs> Do tell. I need to. I need to look up a. Because there's there's art of him, right? Um. Yes, there is. There is canon art. Um. I can send a picture of him to you. Hold on. I'm like. I'm looking oh. up Active a picture Google. of him in this yeah. in this weird ass helmet. I don't know if this picture of his face is accurate or not because if it is, what I'm seeing is someone who wishes he was Thrawn but couldn't pull it off. Basically, he's just gray Thrawn. Not gray. Not Gron. <laughs> Not Grant. Grant's an actual character. No. <laughs> I love. I love my friend Gray Thrawn. Um, I mean, the helmet is kind of nice. Uh, it's not one of the sexier helmets in Star Wars. If I had to rank the buckets mm. that male characters wear on their heads, um, so I would, we have that. Yeah, I would argue it's one of the uglier ones. Like, I think like... from from a sci-fi design standpoint, I really fuck with it. I'm like, mm. that's a cool helmet. 
But in terms of it being nice to look at, no. Mm-mm. It's pointy in all the wrong directions and has this, like, he isn't, he doesn't have one eye. So for his helmet to have one eye, I'm like, you're sending a mixed message right now. <laughs> and I don't like that. You're telling also, a story I do not enjoy. <laughs> no, literally. Also, because in Star Wars, the theme seems to be that the helmet stays on during sex. And if that's the case here, we're not doing it. I don't want to stare at this beady, glory red eye the entire time. Like, no. At least with Mando helmets, I'm like, this is a sight line. But with this helmet, I'm like, this is a single glowing red dot. Can you imagine, can you imagine for a second that it, it's you and Mark and you're, and you're, and all the lights are off and you just see this, this single the glowing, glowing LED light. The LED, not him having TikTok lights in his fucking helmet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Imagine. He fully has a remote in his pocket and he's like, do you want to see something cool? And he changes the color. <laughs> okay, I will say um, I have not really understood the whole like um, helmet thing. Um, I think it's like as a lesbian, we don't have like a whole lot of helmeted folks. We have Bo-Katan and like I do not particularly fucks with Bo-Katan. Uh, she's just got some white lesbian energy that I do not vibe so with. True, <laughs> um, that being said, hey, Lorna D. Hey, girly. Hey, girly, I get it. Suddenly, I do understand because she's. I, I can't deal with this. I she, need. Hold on, hold she on. She is I, shaped exactly in every regard to be someone I would love. Mean. Helmet included? Yes. Mean. Milk shaped. Green. Twi'lek. No, because you're actually very correct about that. <laughs> I, I will say um, she gives me very big Furiosa from mm. Mad Max Fury Road vibes, who. I like would let step on me. Um, Charlize Theron, if you're listening. No. But I I one, I actually do really like her character. Like of of the three of like, I think were they called like Tempest Runners or, yes. or yes. yeah. So of, of the three of them, she was the one that I was like, no, I want to hear what she has to say. Whereas Marshall over here, I was like, can you be quiet already? <laughs> like, cause he does spend like the majority of the book being like you guys are being really mean about my rules that my dad had and i'm like i don't care about your needs shut the fuck up <laughs> i don't care about your needs oh my god What's needy, like, so- needy martian row is so funny holy shit not needy is he a bottom <laughs> yeah yes yes Rat he is bottom a bottom martian row or it. Marcion, Marshmallow. I'm going to call it Mark. Mark Mark with a C. Okay, here's the problem. Mark Thompson, who narrates the Thrawn audiobooks, does narrate Light of the Jedi. Um, And in Tempest Runner, which is going to be like an audio drama that's coming out at the end of um, August, he is voicing Marcion in that. I can't, I can't do that. Martian Sims, I'm so sorry. Um, he is the one, like one of the few helmeted characters in Star Wars that I'm not immediately, like him and Darth Vader. I'm like, y'all are after this? Y'all, y'all want this? <laughs> y'all want to put hands there? Like, couldn't be me. Um, but I, I mean, I like Lorna a lot. Kasav annoys the fuck out of me. Yeah, he Kasav- did book. <laughs> I was he- like, shut the fuck up. When he exploded, I was like, or no, he didn't explode. He got shot to death. I was like, good for you. As you well, should. And it, it happened in like the, the last, like what, like 40 pages of the book. And I was mm-hmm. like, God, fucking finally. I was waiting <laughs> the entire book for him to get blown up. Kasav, I was like, girl, <laughs> go piss, girl. I hate you. Like, I cannot. With at that. least, at least with Lorna, I was like, no, she's got a plan. She's got goals. Mm-hmm. I believe in her. And then Kasav, I was like, God, shut the fuck up. Like. 
I, I will say I am biased towards a girl boss. Mm. So that's a pro I, I admit to that. I am I am supporting girl bosses uh in the MLM that is the fucking <laughs> Nihil, Nile. What we, we can't agree on we this. We can't agree. Like, okay. But they are very like when I was reading it, I was like, oh, it literally is a pyramid scheme. Like, yeah. like, like right down to fucking Mark being like, yeah, you get to be your own boss. I was like, wow, fucking not not Lula Row Tempest Runner. Basically, basically, like how it worked. Like I can't. And then whenever they would do things, I was like, mm, they're gonna go recruit other people. They were like, we're running out of numbers. Got to go recruit. And all I could picture was like. Marshawn Rose Facebook ad of him being like, are you tired of working under the cog of your boss? Do you want to live freely? Do you want to make good money and enjoy doing it? Have I got the solution for you? And then like him him in a polo shirt. Marshawn Rose in a polo shirt, that had better, I'm going to Photoshop that. I will be Photoshopping that because I'm obsessed with it. powerful. I'm excited about that. He really is running an MLM. Um, It's just he, that gentleman is he's got a lot going on he's got his bestie who is like old as fuck and like trapped in a a pickle jar of of, of sorts um free my girl um what is her name mari santeca free my girl <laughs> she I, do nothing the, wrong. the way that i when i was reading that part of the book i was like whose grandma is locked up on this fucking ship <laughs> can someone come get her like she needs to fucking leave also because I don't know if Star Wars has just ruined me, but the second they were like, she can find paths. I was like, oh, she's cool. She's force sensitive. Mm. And that was honestly, to be fair, that was before I knew anything about the Chess Ascendancy. All I knew, I was like, Thrawn is a character. Um, and at the time, I didn't even know that the force could be used to navigate, which is like all the Ascendancy uses it for in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um I believe we may we may be about to be discussing spoilers for the Thrawn. <laughs> Not spoiler for Thrawn. Yeah, Bell's um, time to shine. Yeah, finally, I've been waiting um, because this is what um, this is where my two new interests collide. Because I, you know, am a Chiss ascendancy enjoyer, and then some shit happened in this book, and I was like, God damn! Like the paths. What the fuck is up with that? Because, um, like it's definitely more. I don't want to say powerful, but, like, th- that definitely has, like, a larger, like, sphere of control of, like, being able to determine hyperspace, hyperspace, hyperspace lanes like that. Um, because, like, you know, when you're a little navigator child, you you can basically be like, okay, turn here so you don't fucking hit a planet. Um, and that is it. But Grandma Santeca, like, she just be, <laughs> she just be writing shit down. And Marchion's like, oh, word, I'm gonna use this now. Um, and then he like is Not like ghostwriter Mari Santeca. <laughs> basically, basic fucking Lee. Um, <laughs> he just like has a binder where he's like, yeah, these are like all my paths. Tee-hee. And I was like, girl, you are st- <laughs> you're stealing. Not okay. Here's a concept, and it's gonna require you to have some knowledge about um Zoella, the YouTuber. <laughs> she had a ghostwriter, um, but she really did double down on like the fact that like she she wrote her shit um or at least i think she did i don't know i i didn't watch her i just knew about this drama um and i do like the idea of zoella martian Rowe. um the idea of like gabby hannah as martian Rowe is incredibly funny to me because it's the same concept 
Uh, I also do love the idea, though, that, like, the other Tempest runners are going to find out and be like, hey, can we borrow that, like, pickled old lady that you used to get around space, please? <laughs> but, like, the the weirdest thing about that, honestly, like, that entire sequence, one, I was, like, when I was reading it, I was struggling to figure out what was going on. I was like, so she's in the jar, but doesn't know she's in the jar, and she writes somewhere to go in hyperspace. But also, the entire concept of hijacking something in hyperspace is such an out there thing for like any property in sci-fi to do and I loved it like when that was the opening I remember my jaw like hitting the floor when they were like and then the hull tore apart and they flew out of hyperspace and it was like oh I I will say if I had but one complaint about the narrative structure of this book I was not ready for almost the entire book to take place over like basically 10 hours like a lot happens in that like I kept waiting for them to be like, and then this was solved. But most of the book does take place on that timeline. But I liked it. I don't know. The hyperspace thing, I fucked with that. I, I will just say, though, that it'd be really funny if in later higher public books, which they might have done this because we haven't read them yet, the Jedi are like, can we borrow that pickled old lady and like use her to navigate <laughs> hyperspace because she isn't doing anything. Period. <laughs> Jedi Master Mari Santeca. <laughs> Before we move on, because I would like to talk a little bit more about the whole Santeca situation. Um, I believe it was TikTok user Taika Waititi. Um, director Taika Waititi. That's <laughs> um, on our podcast, Director Taika Waititi. <laughs> yeah, he, it's him and Phoebe Bridgers. They're our guest hosts. <laughs> hey, uh, Hayden, um, I believe that is their full name anyways um asked uh which crew of the the tempest runners we would run with and i think it's pretty obvious where our lorna d stands here in this crew bestie there's no other option for me one um i love a milf i think milfs are very powerful two i just feel like i'd actually like like my job in the mlm if i was Mm -hmm. working for the other two i'd be like please shut up like Kassav was was listening to like fucking Weezer in his fucking ship as they went into battle. That was happening. I was like, am I losing my mind or is he like prepped up a Spotify playlist that's like (laughs) battle playlist? I the sentence uh, Katy Perry Stan Kassav just entered my head. And I would love the idea that, like, they're going into battle and fucking he just hits teenage dream and they're all like, not not fucking again. Like, (laughs) the idea of them, like, pulling out their guns while Katie's like, you think I'm pretty? Like, I would love that. I would literally fucking die. I love that. I do enjoy the uh, the battle where they are murdered in a passion um, by those people that they tried to fucking extort. Um, that they're listening to Dark Horse by Katy Perry. That is so fucking funny. I also love the idea that like, because in reality, if you if you're listening to music and something like happens, like if your car crashes, the music is still gonna play. So I love the idea that they've been like gunned down, and it's still <laughs> Katy Perry's Dark Horse in the background. <laughs> And then literally, like, they gun down Kessa, and it's like, want a break from the ads? (laughs) Oh, my fucking God. Okay, I had to quick make a, I have to do a quick little Google search um, about the planet that they tried to extort, because I do believe it is the planet that Jin Erso and her family were hiding on um, in in the beginning of Rogue One. Um, Fuck, how do I even oh my god hey i just went on wikipedia and i typed in the letter e and i was like kind of like just looking at the e words that existed um and i did misread um 
Enric Pride as ethnic pride. And I was about to say, huh? Why did I think you were going to say something about price? And I was like, hmm, <laughs> ethnic price, my friend. Not ethnic price. <laughs> ethnic price is me with turf bangs. Um. <laughs> I can't deal with that, but I do need you to know that I am going to have to try and create this image now. Not, so not that's on my agenda. Okay, no well, unfortunately, unfortunately, I do have some pictures of me with bangs. So if you can find those and then, <laughs> and then just kind of crop them, you're there. Uh, anyways, what was I looking up? I was fucking looking up the planet that they fucking extort. Um, no, it is not. Though it is mentioned in Thrawn, apparently. Epic, thank you. The fact okay. that you didn't know that, hashtag fake fan. Yeah, um, hashtag fake wow. Thrawn fan. Speaking of Thrawn, um, we were kind of talking about like the chiss, like the idea of like them being connected to some level to the past. Because we don't know Martian Rose like whole deal. We just know he's a gray man. Um, <laughs> and like could he this is the here are so, so few theories that i have about that theory one what happens if he just was like besties with the chiss and that is how he found his family found out about the paths and then they found the santeca bitch and were like would you love to live for deliciously in this <laughs> in this not fucking aralani being like wouldst thou like to live deliciously <laughs> Honestly, and yes, I know that she as she's she's not alive. Oh, in she is times. not alive. Well, no, because honestly, I never really remember which yeah. species in Star Wars live to which ages, and I'm like, is she like 400? No. <laughs> she walks up to fucking Marishan Rowe and is like, "Are you he?" he. <laughs> so either a he's besties with Chiss, b he is the Chiss. Like the idea of him being half Chiss, being half human, and just being gray as a, as a result is very it, funny. It looks like in the art of him, where his eyes are visible, they are black, but he does look very Chiss-like. Mm. So I'm, I, I, I like the idea of him being like half Chiss and being like, "Hey guys, it's me, Marishan Rowe. I'm part Chiss." But y'all don't know who we are, so goodbye. Um. Yeah, that would be very powerful. Um, that or just like, I don't know. I just feel like he is in the, not the outer rim. He is truly like in the unknown regions or of wild space in origin. And I think we're going to find out more information about him. I think there's a comic coming out about him. Um, so we'll see how that works out. I One thing I, I don't totally remember if we got this or not, but didn't he like, like, didn't he steal Grandma Santaka and like, like, didn't his dad like literally put her in a pickle jar and like take her basically? I'm pretty sure, yeah. So, because that would lead me to believe that, um, because if we're, if we're going off of the Marishan Rowe or sorry, Mark, um, Chiss theory, miss, if you will, um, I, I'm just guessing that it would make some sense for his very chiss dad to be like, oh, hey, um, I know that force sensitives can see through um, like space and we can use them to navigate. Other idea, this lady's my ghostwriter now and he puts mm. her in the pickle jar. Alternatively, uh, I like the idea that his dad was just some guy, but his mom was chiss and was like- He's Aralani's <laughs> son. I do love that. Great, great, great grandfather of Aralani, Marishan Rowe. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Also followed by, I do think it might have been his grandmother who kidnapped Sentai. Yeah, because they've had her in the family. Okay, I realize <laughs> how fucking, weird that is. Yeah, so. she's a fucking family heirloom. Like, what the fuck? That's a human being, bitch. Or even <laughs> girl Mari, 
they literally like we've had her in the family for generations and i'm like she's a person um so this is weird also i'm not gonna lie and maybe they do explore this in later high public books but the fact that they never once address just how bizarre it is to keep a human being in (laughs) captivity for its it's like literal usage value yeah is a little weird to me uh, in, an, in an otherwise, in a book that otherwise you think may or may not explore why that's really weird and upsetting. Um, but they don't. It's yeah. possible later though, because I don't know what happens to her. Yeah, R. who's R. to say? Um, actually, funny, funny thing that we can hop into a different part of the things we wanted to talk about in this episode. Um, uh, she is a Santeca and Santecas, first of all, the first time I think we learn about the Santecas is in the sequels. It, he is the the Santeca man is the guy that Kylo Ren like kills at the beginning of Force Awakens, um, and he's the one who has the map with Luke Skywalker. I I I think I wanted. Have you checked that? Because yes. I actually don't. Okay, I'm like yes. I don't remember. I um, I knew okay, that. Cool. <laughs> um, I did not. But yeah, that would yeah. I we saw them all the way back there, and then they came back, and they were like, yeah. hi hey we're coming back um but yeah and then also like the the santecas were like instrumental in um luke finding octo um which also fun fact um sorry just about random things in general um exegol is like right next to the chiss ascendancy and the fact that that huh <laughs> like we, no you, you sent that into our fucking discord and i was looking at that map and i was like hey guys what the fuck like I, I do love the idea though of the entire ascendancy was like some weird grizzled old dude just down to that planet right over there <laughs> nobody i love the idea of weird neighbor palpatine mm. of him like sauntering out in like an ill-fitted hawaiian shirt oh, and God. like jimmy Q's and being like <laughs> hello neighbors and they're like please don't fucking talk to us really weird. Fuck off. They walk by his house and they're like sweet. They like they like move their children to the other side of the sidewalk. <laughs> they're like nobody else. Like nobody talked to him. See what I was thinking is I do enjoy the idea of the Battle of Exegol happening and like you know that scene where like all oh, the ships come up the Chiss ascendancy. Everyone is just like chilling at the sidelines, like watching. Like <laughs> it's like there's like a fight happening next door and your nosy ass neighbors are like, oh word, what's happening? <laughs> um, that's very funny to me. Anyways, that's um. <laughs> I've been trying to get to back to the Santecas, but we've got distracted by the Chiss, obviously. More important. Anyways. As um, we do on every episode of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about representation in this book. The, the Just like general diversity, I think. Um, it is insane how, well, not insane, but like it is like pleasant, a pleasant surprise to see how diverse this cast was. Not only in just like human to alien ratio, um but also like there are gay people yay like canon gay people and like black people who get to like i don't know use the force to be jedi it was nice to see you you mentioned like the human to alien ratio and yeah the the number of i was pleasantly surprised by the number of species i had to like look up a picture of and be like i forgot what like trandoshans look like which is hilarious i'm like you know know they are (laughs) no literally But like I, I liked that a lot, and I do think it speaks to the way that the Force isn't a thing that's just wielded by it would seem in in the prequels just a bunch of white people because it's literally all we ever see. <laughs> it's it's literally all white people, and then no, Mace Windu, and he's like, "Hey guys, 
Mace Windu is the one fucking non-white person in all of the prequels. And then the Clone Wars is like, you can also have Depa and you can have Barris, but she's going to be okay. an offensive caricature and have a lot of like yeah. writing issues. And I'm like, oh. Islamophobia. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. that's so awesome. Thanks. No. Yeah, um, actually, not to fact check you, but Deba Palaba is in the last scene of The Phantom Menace with Mace. Um, they were like, okay, guys, we had to take a photo. <laughs> we, we This is a PR photo. We have to get all the brown people in the franchise in one day. photo real quick. So it was really refreshing to see that. Also, because in the pictures of the comics that I've seen, I'm like, oh, y'all actually managed to design these characters in a way that is fitting to their realistic counterparts. Like, as as someone who draws... Um, but like when we when we look at art and comic books, one of the things that artists often get super wrong is like hair texturing. Mm-hmm. And to see that actually like done with some level of thoughtfulness, I'm like, oh wow, you can do the bare minimum. That's crazy. That's wild. <laughs> um, also just Belzadafar, my icon, my boy yes. who I would die for, who I would kill for. Like I I think seeing his journey in in this book was so like nice and refreshing. I was like, wow, look at you go. Like I also just the the progression of him of the one thing he couldn't master in the force in this book being falling. And then the very end of it is him being like, well, if I fall, I fall. I was like, uh, the development, (laughs) the power, like I, Although I will say it broke my fucking heart that he was like, I'm not going to uh, go through my trials to become a knight yet because mm-hmm. my master said he would be there. So I'm not going to do it till he's back. And I was like, uh, yeah, bestie, he's been kidnapped. Like, <laughs> he's he's, he's in some big trouble. He's got a great storm coming. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, honey, you've got a big, big storm, storm coming. coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that not loading gray storm? I mean, yeah. I, th- there's a lot of weird storm in- uh, imagery in this fucking book. I was yeah. like, okay, y- y'all can calm down with the lightning. And the fucking, the next book being called The Rising Storm, I'm like, fuck off. I'm like, I, literally I'm out here like, we get it. You you name these people Tempests and now you have to stick to a theme. I understand. But at the same time, I'm like, whenever they're like, storms, eye of the storm, tempest, lightning, <laughs> sparks. I'm like, hey, no offense. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, like um, I'm begging you. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about they were the 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 fucking tempests were like having like their little party or whatever, and they were all doing like party drugs there. I was like, oh, oh, sick bad batch reference of just like random party drugs being available. Um, I but can't do that. but but they were brave enough to say we're also going to have gay people. <laughs> they can do both. So um, full tilt uh, admission yeah. moment. I don't remember who the gay people in this book oh, were. Oh, okay. Period. Um. So there's there's two of note. Um. I think there are maybe other characters who are confirmed later on. But the Santecas who are Mari's like cousins or some shit that Elzar and um Avar meet up with. They're husbands. Okay. Genuinely, I missed that when I read this fucking. Oh. I I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know how that happened, but my legitimate memory is I was like, my favorite heterosexual couple, the Santecas, uh, having a grand old time. Wasn't aware of that. Um, so that's embarrassing. Yeah. However, I do love that we actually have gay characters and they get to be evil. Uh, <laughs> or at least slightly manipulative towards our main cast. Yeah, just straight up bitch ass liars. Which I did love. But also, I mean, I kind of love the way that um, fucking Avar and Elzar like 
communicate through the force I was like that was actually really powerful because I was like hey look uh their bond emotionally actually makes them stronger that's weird Mm -hmm. that's suspicious (laughs) that's weird yeah no I agree I think it's interesting because I think it's once again like a Kanan and Hera type situation where I'm like go straight people go straight people go even though I don't think Kanan and Hera are straight anyways the point is is like it's two people who like acknowledge the fact that they are like attracted to one another and like have this relationship let it be romantic or platonic and that is not going to cloud their overall judgment but they can still embrace and care about that other person and that is very powerful yeah. to me I, um, not yeah. to advocate for like platonic friendships i mean um but i do genuinely really like their relationship and if it, mm-hmm. if if the writing does take it somewhere like on the more romantic side i'm not gonna be like ew heteros but I also just like I every scene that they had together I was like you can tell that they have a history which Star Wars my love um has sort of a hard time doing a lot like really giving characters the feeling that they've existed for longer than the narrative is showing us them uh and I like that about both of them I was like I can tell y'all have known each other for a while and I appreciate that yeah no absolutely I completely agree I think that they they I don't know they're they did not feel like the main characters of this book to me. To me, and I think it's just like I've got two things. I've got, <laughs> I got two things going on. One, I will always be like, if there are characters of color at the front forefront, I care more about them. I'm so sorry, Bestie, but Belle, I Belle and Indira, like those are the characters I care the most about in this book. Um, and like Avar and Elzar, girl, I love what you've got going on. Um, I really enjoyed Kevin Tarr. Um, ginger representation, first of all. Second of all, he is just like High Republic Eli Vanto, and I'm very into that because uh, he's just like, I like math, and I hope I'm doing the right thing. And I'm like, wow, Eli Vanto could never. Eli- <laughs> this is if Eli Vanto saw the whole like slavery moment happen in Thrawn 2017 and would have been like, actually, fuck this, I'm leaving, goodbye. Um, I, I, I like, um, I also like Bell because genuinely, like, I, his narrative is very, like, I, I really liked all of, like, one, I love his character. I'm like, he behaves in a way that someone of his age would, but I also just, cause we were talking about how great him and Loden are together earlier. And I was like, yeah, because Loden fully is like, I'm going to let him do what he needs to do. And then in random moments is like, no, I'm, we're going to have instruction now. Like, I need you to do this for us to survive. And I appreciated that. But just like his whole vibe. Like, I feel like Bella is one of those characters in Star Wars that I was like, I will hang out with you. The the fucking Elfrona, if that's how I'm pronouncing it, that planet that they were on. Um, they they just like, they had a very interesting story and how they all the stories all came together was very nice. And I enjoyed that a lot. Um, but yeah. Thrawn, Thrawn 2017 does a very similar story mechanism where you have so much going on and it like collides at the very end and that happened in light of the jedi and i really did enjoy it i will also say that little just tiny detail of like oh it's important for our our padawans experiences that they go and like see the galaxy on these like jedi outposts the also the whole concept of functional jedi outposts is sending me because i i constantly constantly Think of Ahsoka being like, all I have ever been was a soldier. I was never a child. I was never a Padawan. I was in an army. And to me, that's one of the biggest differences between the Jedi of this era and the Jedi of the Clone Wars is that these are not soldiers. I mean, there's one character who's with Bell and Loden on that planet who was like, 
yeah, Porter, Porter is like a legendary warrior, mm-hmm. but the man is not a soldier. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that a lot that they had the chance to talk about the ways that that sort of changes how you perceive and use the force. But some minor detail, um, the imagery of those fucking like horses with the electromagnetic hooves that would yes. like arc leading off the ground. I was like, that's, I, I, the idea of seeing that in live action or animation, I'm like, now that's what I want. Mm-hmm. That all, okay. All the creatures in this book were so like interesting to think about. I'm like, I don't remember what the dogs are called. Charhound. Um, I'm obsessed yeah, with those I, fucking little guys. You know, no, because I was like, that's such a cool, like, I, I feel like one thing that the sequels really didn't give us was, like, fun, interesting Star Wars creature design. Would I buy a life-size Charhound plushie? Yes, I would. Next question. <laughs> uh, that said, I just, I, I liked it a lot. I liked that um, the planets that they went to felt like they had culture to them and like different cultures at that. One thing I talked about like seven years ago on RuPaul's Pod Race, like the main podcast, was that Star Wars planets feel very hollow and very empty. Like there is one thing on them unanimously and that's it. And the planets and people of this book felt like they belonged to something that was it. like the whole like we are the Republic. I was like, oh, okay, we're going to, we're going to get into culture in Star Wars. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think it's, again, like, the fact that they have, like, a very diverse writer's room and then, obviously, like, sensitivity readers that so often in Star Wars, planets are, like, subtly racially coded stereotype. Like, whoo! Um, and for <laughs> once... This right now, but Mel just, like, waved their fingers around <laughs> the screen, which I love. <laughs> um... No, uh, I, I was, like, looking at Elfrona, I was like, no, there is no culture that they clearly are, like, copy and pasting and just, like, using a Star Wars name. That this is just, like, a planet that, like, has has its own, like, culture economically and, like, um, like values and, and whatnot. And this is how the Jedi interact with that and aren't there as, like, like, they're just there to vibe. They're not here to, like as like this is our police station type situation even though like we can we can talk about like i don't want to say the surveillance state but like as the as the idea of like there's going to be a station out in the outer rim i think is actually good honestly and i think that the fact that there isn't one in in our in in actuality years and years later is uh, definitely a reason as to why things get bad um but like i don't know they they didn't feel like they were cops if that makes sense they were just like there to vibe um no, I think, yeah. yeah um i think that's also like an interesting thing about wreath silas um that we haven't you haven't really gotten to touch on yet oh my jesus i just shed a water bottle um uh but like we meet his master in light of the jedi and she dies pretty quickly after us meeting her um but like she she is going to go out to this station and work there. Um, and she's bringing her Padawan with her. And her Padawan is like, hey, I actually really like Coruscant. I like being able to read my little books. And I don't want to have, like, adventures. I just want to be my little guy. Um, and she's like, I'm so sorry, Bestie. You're going to have to to suck it up. Um, <laughs> and that is just very powerful to me. I enjoy that very much. Um, yeah. I I think the thing when I when I first opened it up and they were like we need to go into the outer rim because things are bad out there. At first it was like, mm, don't know how I feel about that. 
Um, but to be fair, one thing I, I had to consider was that the Republic in the in this era of Star Wars is very, very different from the Republic that we see in the Clone Wars era. And also, like, the thing that interested me about the Jedi in this was that, and I touched on this earlier, that they calling them apolitical would be wrong because they're not. They, they are serving what they believe is the political good. However, the way that they do that is very much more as negotiators that carry a weapon than they are tools of the state. And like, I like that idea of like, a, like Jedi are gonna go live on this station in the Outer Rim or you're gonna have Jedi like, oh my God, what is his name? Big buff uh, dude that hangs out with Loden, old warrior man. Oh, uh, Porter Angle. Yeah. Porter is a character who we're told spent a lot of his time as a fighter who's now living making soup. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that he does. He's there to stand on this planet and basically keep watch. And I think that that idea is interesting, but they didn't feel like they weren't supposed to be there, if that makes sense. Like, if Clone Wars era Jedi are like, we are stationed on this planet, I was like, I don't really know how I feel about you guys being here right now because you're not doing super great. But like, <laughs> the jedi of this era yeah they didn't really feel like like a cop problem where i was yeah. like please leave like, i need yeah. you guys to get these people away <laughs> the scene of them like riding at the fucking like nihil and they were like oh fuck those are jedi <laughs> like flipped out <laughs> i loved that so much like that got my inner child like like jumping up and down i was like yeah. fuck yeah that's powerful no period um i agree i think two fronts one just i just had to quick before i forget this the scene where you learn that it was marchion Rowe who fucking contacted Loden to be like oh no that family's in danger i was i got genuine goosebumps i was like oh no he's actually very bad no good <laughs> he's been planning this shit this is his whole thing was like very good and like once again like my inner child was like oh fuck because like often Often in Star Wars, like, you either get, like, your Machiavellian villain, aka Thrawn and Rebels, um, or, like, Palpatine, who's just, like, he's not, like, it's not that he's, like, a joke, because I don't think he's a joke. I think he's very bad. But, like, he's, like, Ian McDermott, like, really has, like, fun playing Palpatine and, like, really camps it up. Um, and so you're, like, my, my, yeah, he's, like, no, like, you know, that shit. Um. And so for finally there to be a villain who was like, I was like, oh dear, that's no good, um, was really refreshing. Um, but like you were saying, fuck, uh, about um, like the police, the, the, the idea of the police state and, and the Jedi. Um, these Jedi do not feel like cops in the same way that I think a lot of the, the, um, the Republic does in the prequels. They feel like members of the community who are armed in the event that something bad happens. Um, and I, I love that as someone who is um, like a, a, a prison abolitionist and someone who um, supports the, the defunding of the police. I think that that is very powerful to be like, okay, these are negotiators. These are people to be like, what's up, what's going on. And if shit hits the fan, they are like, I do have a, la- a laser sword and I will have to chop you in half. <laughs> there's a scene and I, I think it's near the beginning of the book where Loden and Bell are like running into a battle and literally Loden's like as a last resort we have laser swords that we can use to kill these people if necessary and I was like this is different um Anakin has shot his pants <laughs> Anakin found that in Miami honestly like he could never I mean and I love Obi-Wan but frankly 
I don't think that's something that he would genuinely do. Like he's going to approach it as a battle, whereas these era of Jedi are like, this is a solvable problem. And then if y'all are going to try it, like, I, I do believe in that scene, Loden only draws his saber because innocent people are in mm-hmm. between. It's like the last fucking second. Time. Yeah, it literally, like, I, I do believe Bell is like, hey, um, are, are we going to like fight these people because it's about to get really messy? I also will say about um, about Mark, my my enemy Mark, not Mark Thompson, Marishan Rowe. It was the first time in a while that I think I had a, like a Star Wars or even just like a media villain that I didn't like clock super quickly. Like I was like, oh, duh, I understand what's going on here. I, I am like literate in media. I understand how this is going to play out. And then it was a really fun like turn for him to be like, yeah, I'm actually way smarter than I let on. And I was like, wait, you are? <laughs> Shit. yeah because he goes I from like coming. he goes from like nepotism baby martian Rowe to like i am my own girl boss no literally because like the entire book it was like we get it your dad had a business that you inherited okay pop off jeff bezos uh and then out of nowhere he's like actually i have a really solid plan like which is why that moment when he's like I made the distress call. I was like, genuinely didn't see that coming. Actually, I was very blindsided by that, which is nice because frankly, Star Wars is very tropey. It is just that, that's the nature of the property is that it's a very tropey thing. So generally, I feel like I can parse out where our narrative's going. And this one, I was like, oh fuck, this is a problem. Also because one load in Greatstorm does not have the plot armor to survive this if it goes oh. south. Loading girl, run. Load and girl, get out. Except for the part where he cannot run because he broke his leg very badly. Also, the imagery of that was visceral as oh, oh fuck. Yeah. I was like I once again was on an airplane and I was like, I I, I had not eaten that day thus far because I was having a long ass day. And I was like, that did make my stomach turn. I do not enjoy that. I feel like also because Star Wars and injuries are always like he lost an arm to a laser sword that was instantly cauterized. Yeah. And this was like his knee snapped off. And I was like, it was. <laughs> I know literally like Star Wars violence is like, oh no, a laser bolt that hit someone. And then this book was like graphically detailing how he shattered his leg. And I literally remember reading it being like, mm, like, and my stomach doesn't turn easy because I have worked in hospitals before. It's so like, I've, I've seen it in person, but I don't know why I was like, that's not supposed to happen in a Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> That's not that hashtag not my Star Wars. Period. Um, Although this actually is my shit. Like yeah. I do love this book and this era of, of this entire like piece of the universe. I'm like, hi, best. Truly, I completely agree. So I think we are gonna wrap it up here. Uh, but we did get a question from um TikTok user Crime Lord Amidala. Um, and they did ask, do we think we could take on a fight? with uh padawan Buryaga. um let me see how they 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 said that question yeah, how do they phrase way. this because that's a very important it's loaded that's a loaded question um could you fight Buryaga emotionally or physically okay so physically um if we're pretending that we're in the star wars universe let's say for argument's sake that we're both force sensitives okay um physically i could beat him to death um <laughs> like in a fight i do oh think I, could him. I do think i could take him in a fight that said um if he walked up walked up to me and was like 
I have to kill you, I would throw my lightsaber away and be like, okay. Do what you must. Like, like I genuinely like, like if, if there were, if physically they were like, we're going to put you in a cage match. You have to fight. Yeah. I'm beating him easy. (laughs) That kid's going down. Cause he, I think he's like, what, like 12. No, he's like 50 because Wookiee's age, like way like slower than us. Like, they they live for such a long time like he is damn in that case that grandpa is going down <laughs> i'm gonna beat him to death Here, let's however see he his age. emotionally um no circumstance could turn me against him i don't even care if i'm in like the fight on mustafar and he's anakin and i'm obi-wan i'm taking the low ground like <laughs> period i'm letting him win i don't want to hurt him <laughs> Yeah, he's just a little guy. Like, I know he's, like, canonically not a little guy, but, like, he is to me. I mean, to be fair, Grogu is also canonically an elderly man, and we're all like, he's just a little baby boy. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I, Briaga, I could not take him in a fight physically or emotionally simply because he is, like, him and Belle are, like, my favorite characters that we encountered because that scene with him and the, like, child who, um... Like, there's that scene with the, him and this child, and he, like, can't speak to him because he doesn't have the, the physical ability to speak basic. Um, but he, like, basically just calms him through the force and is like, hey, bestie, like, it's uh, going to be okay. And he gives him a hug. I was like, hey, your hand in marriage. Your hand in marriage, sir. No, um, legitimately, I, I love that entire scene at the very end on the space station because we get it from his POV where he, like... Just there's a sentence where he fully goes like, I'm in pain, but these people are in more pain and I'm okay with like prioritizing them over me. I was like, hey, not to be dramatic, but I would die for you. Um, He just has this like level of empathy about him that I do think honestly is a crux of what it means to be a Jedi in the first place that the characters in the Clone Wars and prequels era lose along the way just by necessity. Like they don't have that anymore. So I I do love the idea though of either of us being like stuck in a cage and they're like fight fucking Buryaga and I, we both be like no, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. No heart emoji. Like, like three people, three gay people enter, one gay person <laughs> leaves, and you and I would be like, well, we had a good one. Like I, that's it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not gonna fight him. He's too nice. He's just a little guy. He's just a little guy. <laughs> Oh, I do yeah. feel like that's a that's a good place to end this episode is just us ranting about Briaga being just a little guy. We do hope that you enjoyed our discussion of the High Republic. Uh, there's an asterisk at the end of Republic that just means uh, Light of the Jedi because we didn't do anything else besides that because we haven't read it. But anyway, we hope you enjoyed this discussion. We know it was like a little out of place, but we I think this was fun. I had a good time doing it. Um, there will be an episode of RuPaul's Pod Race with our full cast of characters. Um, out at the like midweek that we'll be doing our regular shit like discussing the bad badge and becoming completely unhinged live on camera um i believe we're gonna update our twitter on when exactly that's gonna be happening the episode should i'm unsure because i'm the one who edits the episodes um i am unsure if i'm gonna get it either done by tuesday or wednesday but it will be before the next episode of the bad badge yeah either, either way um we'll be posting updates to our socials so we're rupops pod race on twitter on tiktok on instagram etc wherever people do social media things um that said uh keep an eye 
out for it, giant winking face as I reference my friend Mark Rowe. <laughs> Mark Rowe! Uh, and uh, thank you for joining us on Rogue One's A Star Wars Story. <laughs> May the be with you and don't crimp it up. Waka waka. Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs>